As you know, we've been doing a series. We're going to continue with our series in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 21. And today I want to raise a question and raise um, a topic that I don't know if we really thought about it in this way before. And so I'm going to take it from a person by the name of John Butler who raises, I think he actually um, raises a good point that's actually in the scripture. But I'm going to read Acts 21, 1 through 15. And then I'm going to read a portion of Acts 22, verses 17 through 21. And as we have been doing, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me as I read the passage of Scripture today. So please stand with me. I'll be reading from the NIV, so what you may see on the board here in your Bible may be a little bit different if you have a different translation, but from the NIV. Acts 21, beginning in verse 1. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. Verse 3. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued our journey. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach, we're not to pray. Now, that's why you should go to the beach, to pray on Sunday. Some people are at the beach having a good time. Go to the beach and kneel down and pray. That'll be okay. <laughs> After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. Verse 7, we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemus where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Turn over to chapter 22, verse 17, verses 17 through 22. Verse 17. This is Paul speaking about his experience on the road of Damascus. It says, 
When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing them. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Just say with me as a title, Moving Forward. You may be seated. Bless the word today, God, and bless your servant. We love you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Kos, Kos. Are coups in some Bibles one of the places where Paul goes? Was the home of Hippocrates, the father of medical science. Rhodes was so named because of the great quantity of roses which it produced. Much of Rhodes. Historical fame came because of the Colossus that was there, the God Apollos, that was built there, and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. And so because there stood this huge figure, 100 feet high, with its legs spread so that ships could go underneath. And that's why people would go there, one of the seven wonders, because of this. It came tumbling down in about 225 B.C. from an earthquake, according to John Butler. You know, we've been talking about how God will have no other gods before him. There are a lot of people worshiping a lot of things. God says he will have no other gods before me. Point number one, and the only point that we will address, but I'm going to be bringing things from the past that we have been studying into this message and trying to help paint a picture. But if you're writing down the title or the the first point, determined to go to Jerusalem. Determined to go to Jerusalem. There are times that we think that we are in the will of God because there is something that we are determined to do. I want to do it, and ain't nobody going to stop me. If you are disobedient to God, now listen carefully. If you are being disobedient to God in your life now, how do you know if a direction that you are heading is God's will? You see, if, if you are off course or if you are on a wrong path, how do you know that you are heading in the direction that God has called you to head in. You see, there are signs where if you go down a certain road, if you're heading in a certain direction, they'll say, turn back and go the other way. Wrong way. They have detour signs that tells you detour. My dad was preaching once and said, person says, I ain't got to pay attention to that detour sign, so they don't go around it. Went around the detour sign and 
on down the road and had to come to a stop. Go. The road is out. On the way back, on the other side of the sign, it says, I told you, dummy. <laughs> there are times when we make up our mind that we're going to head a certain direction and we know that God has said no. But the problem that we run into is that when we are determined to move forward, we sometimes will think that our direction is the direction that God is leading. If you are determined to move in the direction that God is not leading, he'll just sometimes back off and say, go ahead. You are going to have to come back. <laughs> but you're going to come back with a lot of sores. Your clothes may be tattered. We have the ability to make choices, but we're going to have to turn around somewhere down the road. Paul was a man that was mightily used by God. Paul, at one point where the Lord was working, was being used in such an incredible way that the Lord allowed even handkerchiefs and aprons that would touch Paul to be taken to the sick and it healed those people. As I told you, don't be going calling for no person to send you no handkerchief, send, you f send them $5. Don't do it. I can spend your $5 much better than they can. And if you just determine to give them, just give it to me. I'll go right over to CVS, Dollar Tree, and get you a handkerchief. Pray for it and give it to you. We have to understand that when God calls us, we have a responsibility to follow. Now, while Paul was being mightily used by God, God did these, now, extraordinary miracles because God was doing something tremendous. You see, the people at this time had not experienced something before. They, had not, they didn't know the power of God in, 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 the, in this way. And so the Lord is doing something to show that I am not like any other God. He showed Pharaoh and his magicians when they were trying to duplicate what God was doing. God allowed them to have fun for a little bit. Go ahead. Then God cut it off. That's it. When the gnats hit, said, Pharaoh, this is the hand of God. We, 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 can't, we can't do this. Only God allowed them to do it before. But the problem is that they should have reversed the plagues rather than adding to them. I told you this. Paul being a man that was mightily used by God, we sometimes don't like to look at an area where sometimes our heroes of faith in the Bible may be off base. Now, I want to raise a question. Should Paul have gone back to Jerusalem? It was the Lord who told Paul that you are to leave Jerusalem and not, and go to the Gentiles. Now, when Paul was going to Damascus to persecute the church, this was after Stephen. Now, we're going back in time and looking at catching up. After Stephen was killed, the people laid their clothes, their coats and their cloaks, at the feet of a person by the name of Saul, chapter 9. Chapter 8, end of 8, when he gave 7, he started the sermon in 8, 7 and 8. 
and then Paul comes on the scene. First time we introduce. But they laid their cloaks there, and the Bible says that he was there giving his approval to his death. And on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Christ. There are three times that this story, this event, is recorded in the book of Acts. It's got to be that important for him to record it. It has been recorded again as Paul uh, uh, will go to Jerusalem and then runs into trouble. He is telling this story. And when we read in chapter 22, we never saw before where the Lord had appeared to Paul and said, I want you to leave. He is introducing that that we, now I haven't seen it before, it's been introduced in chapter 22. says, oh, because the question, the thing that, that Paul raises, he says, man, I'm willing to die for the Lord. Do you not know that just because you say something that's popular or people stand up and give you a standing ovation don't mean that it's right? Just because people stand and applaud you, it doesn't mean it's right. And today we are looking for the applause of the world, and God says, I'm not pleased with that course. And so now we are looking for praises from people rather than approval from God. Paul is on a course that he should not be on. And it's not that Paul is not going to run into problems because the Lord has already told him every city you go into, there's going to be problems. But we're going to look at some things as we go through here. I've already went to the end of my message. So if you hear it again, just pretend that you didn't. The question that I raised was Paul to go back to Jerusalem at this time. When we look at Paul's life, we note that there were plots made against him in many of the cities where he went. Wherever Paul went, there were people trying to kill him. Now, I told you, some of y'all would have left at the first sign of danger. Like John Mark. I think John Mark, when he joined Paul and his relative Barnabas, I think when those seas were, you know, going up and down, and then they got to that first place, and he saw this happen, he said, man, I'm going back home. I'm going, I'm, I'm going, I'm heading back home. This is too much. I didn't bargain for this. Some of y'all would have went home and never came back. Thank God Mark got back in tutoring. And I told you, he wrote the book of Mark. But Paul would press his way, even though there were dangers all over. Now, understand, when you look at all the places where Paul went, When there was danger, Paul would take precaution and move to safety. Let's think of a couple of them. When Paul was on the road to Damascus and got there, Ananias came and prayed and received the sight. And when Paul began to preach the gospel, people say, is that the same Saul? Is that that the one who, wait a minute, he's got letters from Jerusalem to come here and put us in prison to beat us up. Now, that's a journey. If you're going to go traveling all around the country trying to find some saints to beat them up and bring them back to be tried and killing some of them, that man was determined. 
But when they saw Paul, and I'm saying Paul because we, we're calling Paul at this time, but saw Paul, either, either one is, is fine. He, but when, when, we, when we see him preaching, those that are in Damascus tried to kill him. And it was those people that said, Paul, you got to go, so you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave, they're out to get you. And he left. They were waiting for an opportune time. Then he goes to Jerusalem. When he went there, it started to me because Paul was an intellectual. They couldn't stand up against his wisdom. We don't like what he's saying, let's kill him. It was all about the message of Jesus Christ. Do you not know that people in this world don't like Christ and don't like you because you represent him? Oh, you might be friends, but bring up Christ and see what happens. They're going to do one of two things. They're going to talk to you as if they've been serving the Lord all their life, or they're going to act like, well, I, I, I believe this. I, why, are you, why are you trying to force your religion on me? Can't we all just be the same? No! God made us individually. Called to serve one God. No eclectic God, this God, that God. River God, moon God, sun God, yo God, my God, Buddha. Hey, no! One God. And people will take offense when you take a stand. I would have a problem serving a God that I had to polish, pick up, move to another room, that if it fell and broke, I got to fix. What that guy going to do for me? Here I am, emotionally a wreck, down on my luck. Ain't got no luck, but down on it anyway. And I'm praying to something that can't help me. I want to pray to a God that knows my heart. A God that can understand what I'm going through. When I just groan, he can understand and interpret yeah. it. Marcus just, mm. Marcus just said, Lord, help me. I'm going through some things just with that mm. That's the God that I want to serve. All these places that Paul went. So when Paul goes to Jerusalem, evidently at this time, there is a vision that he's describing in 22 where the Lord told him, Paul, I'm going to send you to Jerusalem. I'm going to send you far away from the Jews to the Gentiles, the people that they call dogs. Dogs were despicable animals back there. That's what they were called. God said, I'm sending you to them. I'm saving them. I'm grafting in the very ones that other people are talking about. The ones that are the despised. The ones that people don't even want to sit next to. I'm calling them and saving them. We tend to forget that God called us out of the world. How dare we turn our nose up on people coming into the kingdom of God. One Christ, one Savior, one blood applied. Ain't several bloods applied. One. 
So the Lord said, Paul, I'm sending you away. Was Paul to go to Jerusalem at this time? It was in the city of Tyre that we find that Paul goes to as he's heading to Jerusalem, and he stops there in Tyre, where there's a group of disciples that he finds. I just love this about Paul. Wherever Paul would go, he looked for the saints. Where are the saints worshiping? <laughs> Where's the body of Christ? And if there was no body of Christ there, he converts them and then said, now y'all start a church here. <laughs> That's Paul. But the disciples that he found there, the Bible says, through the Spirit, warned him. And during the time that he is there in this place, they're warning Paul, don't go. There's danger. Now understand, don't miss the point here. The Bible says, through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. The Lord has warned him, even entire. But when it came to the end, the Bible says, Luke says, we left. Continued on our journey. Went to a couple more places and then came to a place called Caesarea. In this place, they go to the house of a person by the name of Philip. How many of you remember Philip? couple hands went up. Who was Philip? Philip was one of the seven that when the dispute broke out about food against the Hebraic and the Grecian Jews, the Grecian Jews were a group of Jews that spoke Greek. And there was a fight that broke out where the Hebraic Jews were getting more than the Grecian Jews. And the Grecian Jews says, our widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And they're about to go to blows. Come on, what you say? That was my plate. (laughs) And it is interesting to me that the apostles met to consider this problem. The eating of food, the service, it was something else. It, it called the disciples to come together and says, all right, you know, we cannot stop to take care of the food, to take care of this food. And in the Bible it says to serve tables. And, and, and Paul and, and, and Peter and, and the disciples said, we want you to choose seven men. Full of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom. These men had to be holy. To serve food. To take care of the... Nobody that's corrupt ain't going to take no bribes. I know I can offer some people enough money. I can bribe them. If I had it. Actually, it ain't got to be that much. I can give you ten. some people $10. That, that, that's all they need. <laughs> Don't get anybody that can be bribed. Full of the Holy Spirit, meaning they got to be saved. We're just serving food, Lord. It's a service unto God. Every job in the church is important. 
So don't minimize your role. Don't minimize your calling. Whatever God calls you to do, the Bible, do serve it, do it all to the glory of God and to your fullest. Do it all. Whatever you do for the Lord, don't say, I'm only doing this. I should be doing more. The church only got me to do this. I want to do this. Serve God where you are fully. I used to love to cut the grass out there till I got hay fever. Got hay fever? And man, I was like, what in the world? I ain't had hay fever all my life. Here I am, 18, turned 18, and come down with hay fever. Cutting the grass all down there, back here. When I had to do the bathroom, just raising the Lord. I liked what I had to do. People, this is too good for me. I don't do this. You're too proud. Too proud. Whatever God has called you to do, whatever needs to be done, whatever your hands find to do, do it to the glory of God. And the Bible says your reward, you ain't going to lose your reward in heaven. God's going to look down when he gets to eternity. Yep, they're covered in the blood. Now let's see what the reward's going to be. Oh, look at how they're cleaning the church. Look at this. What My goodness. Rewarded for your service, even in eternity. So don't minimize what you do. Do it to the glory of the Almighty God. That's one of the things I love about Paul. Paul, whatever he did, he did it with all of his heart. All of his heart. We look at this situation here with Paul. And Paul is in Caesarea with Philip. Philip had four daughters that were prophetess. Philip comes from what we would say where the deacons began. One of the seven starts right there in Acts with the calling of the seven because diaconus, deacon means to serve. It's a servant, means servant. When we look at the calling of Philip. We now are see him here, and 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 Paul and the others come to his house before heading into Jerusalem. And isn't it great that when a person serves the Lord, you have something and someone in common? You see, when I got saved, I you know I got saved a lot of times actually. Go back, oh, God forgive me, come back, I'm going to get saved again. again. That, I mean, that's why I, I was back there, I mean, you know. You, your kids, oh, Lord, save me, go back, come back, oh, Lord, I want to be saved. You know those, those, those uh, services where every, every week, you, and the person getting saved all over again? That, that you know, I, I wasn't every week, but it was close. That was me. <laughs> y'all, y'all, don't be, y'all, y'all look at me like y'all ain't did that. I know y'all did this as well. Don't be looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I remember it was a Sunday morning. I was 13 years old, about now, sitting right over here. That was one of the times I got saved. <laughs> Reverend Porter was preaching. That's when they had the whole podium here. He preached there, and Pastor Porter was preaching. I don't know where Sister Porter was. Porter's sister's dad, pastor. He was preaching. My dad was out of town that Sunday. I was sitting there, and he gave the altar call. 
And I looked around to see who was going. Because I don't want to be up there by myself. But there, I said something. The spirit was tugging at my heart. And I went up that morning, the only one. And he just cried. And I'm just crying. Except the Lord. I went down the stairs, down by the windows. I feel so different. Something's just different. Something's different about it. I don't know. It was just different. Gave my heart to the Lord when I was a teenager. Nobody had to tell me that when I would go out, there were certain things that I should not now do. There was a conviction that would happen on my, in my heart. If you are claiming to be saved and can go to the same places and have no conviction, something is wrong. Something is wrong when there is no conviction in our heart where we can go places. God directs our steps. We look at Paul in the house with Philip. It is at this place where the Bible says Agabus from Judea came down from Judea and goes to Caesarea. Takes Paul's belt and ties his own hands. Agabus ties his own hands with Paul's belt and says, this is how the Jewish people are going to bind the owner of this belt. When that was said, all of the brothers that were traveling with Paul says, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go. When Paul says, why are y'all breaking my heart? Now, this is where it gets interesting because when you think about it, as I said, when we make a statement that is a powerful statement, we automatically assume that it's correct. But when we look over in chapter 22, if the Lord said, Paul, don't go earlier, and we don't see any evidence where the Lord had changed his mind. We don't see that. I'm just raising the question. Was Paul to go to Jerusalem at this time? It raises the question. When, when Paul was in Ephesus, of course, and, and things were breaking out. When the Lord told Paul, you can stay. Paul stayed two years in Ephesus, in fact, up to three. Whenever there was danger, Paul would take action. You don't see Paul taking action to avoid the danger. Here's something else you don't see. Well, let me back up. You know when Paul went to Asia and they were trying to go to determine which way to go? And the Lord would not allow them to enter Asia. And then a man over Macedonia says, he saw a vision, come over to Macedonia. Over to Macedonia. Come over. Come. Paul heard the Lord. And he says, we believe that from that vision, that's what the Lord was sending us, over to Macedonia. We never see Paul praying for God's direction if he's to go to Jerusalem at this point. Paul prayed everywhere. But we don't see the Lord saying, Paul, yes, I'm now calling you. But we see also by the Spirit, the Spirit spoke to Agabus. It was the Holy Spirit warning Paul. And the Lord gives warning sometimes letting people know, yes, you're on the right track. You're still going, but there's going to be danger. Yeah, but, but, 
the warnings that were coming, we go back and wait a minute. Ah. The Lord had told him that we didn't. I see. But now we don't see Paul praying about it. We see the warnings coming. And then the Bible says, when couldn't change his mind, we gave up. There comes a time when the Lord just says, I'm not going to continue to talk to you about this matter. There comes a time when the Lord says, I'm not going to continue to talk to you. Now, I'm going to give you this, for those who are not normally here on Wednesday, a little treat that those on Wednesday and Tuesday have. And this is this. Some of you already know it. It was new to me. When you look at all the plagues that the Lord sent on Egypt, Dr. Bully had made this observation. I had noticed when I was doing some studying. There are ten plagues that the Lord brought to Egypt. All right? On the third, sixth, and the ninth plague, there's no warning that's given. Now, let me say it this way. If you look at the plagues, you can consider them as triads. One, two, three, break. Four, five, six, second one. Seven, eight, nine. And then the tenth plague, when the Lord is going to pass over, where the first one is going to be killed, that one stands by itself. On the first two plagues, the frog, the, the now turning into blood, and then the second one, the frog. The Lord sends Pharaoh, Moses to Pharaoh, and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. When you get to that third plague with the gnats, the Lord just tells Moses, tell Aaron to act. There is no warning that's given. He does the same thing with plagues four and five. Sends him to Pharaoh. We call that God's grace. God's grace. On the sixth plague, there's no warning. There's action. Do this. Pharaoh receives no warning. You then look at plague seven and eight. Let my people go. You get to plague nine. There's no warning. When God warns his people to move, God gives warning and then there may be no warning before judgment strikes and comes. And we oftentimes will decide if we're going to obey God based on what we see as signs of judgment or what we see taking place. And that can be a misreading of the sign. Be careful. When we look at Paul's situation, I'm not saying that Paul was in sin. I'm just saying that was Paul right? The question is this. We don't hear God saying, we don't hear any other, when they said we gave up saying anything, we're going on to Jerusalem. That was it. You hear nothing else. And when he gets there, he gets arrested. And for two years, then for two years, he remains in a jail in Jerusalem. We have to be very, very careful that when the Lord speaks, we we have to obey him. If God changes his mind, he lets us know. Think about this. Balaam, the one whose donkey spoke to him. Y'all remember the story of Balaam in the Bible? Now, Balaam was not a prophet of God, but the Lord was going to use him. God can use anybody he wants. said, I, hey, Rondé, you made it back. God bless you. I ain't meant to embarrass you. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be here. They had a retreat. 
That's good. That's good. <laughs> now he's all embarrassed. When we, now I forgot my point. What was I saying? Y'all help me out. Balaam. Balaam. Okay, thank you. <laughs> when we look at Balaam, who was not a servant of the Lord, Balaam loved money, and the king wanted Balaam to come and curse the Israelites. So when Balaam went to acquire the Lord, even though he was a jokester, God actually spoke to him. He says, no, don't go. When the king offered him more money, he said, let me go back and see what the Lord says. Maybe he changed his mind. I think the Lord may have a different plan. Then the Lord says, go, but only tell them what I want to tell them, what I want you to say. On the way, the Bible says an angel of the Lord met him. So in between there, because God discerns the heart, Balaam wasn't going to do what God said, and the Lord sought to kill him. No warning that was given. It was the eyes of his donkey being opened up. That helped save his life. God gives warning. We have to be so very careful when we move outside of the will of God. We have to be so very, very careful when we move outside of God's will. If God has been moving, if God has been speaking, if God has been doing a work, we have to make sure that we're doing what the Lord says. As we come to a close, I'm going to let you all out early today. When does God stop sending warnings? When does God stop sending a warning? You see, there are times when the Lord speaks through his word to us, and we have a confident assurance through his word that God is leading, leading in the right direction. And sometimes when we don't hear a word or have confirmation, we, we sometimes, kind of warm it, we, we, we sometimes think, God, am I, am I going right? I, I'm not hearing you. I'm, I, I need some type of sign. And God has a way when we're in his will to give assurances, you're going in the right direction, keep going. There's certain little things sometimes that would just happen. God would just work out. Keep going. But sometimes there's some big glaring things that the Lord says, no, go back, wrong way. And we go, well, still, look okay. I see road, Lord. Can I go? And we make the choice to go because that's what we want to do. And we've got to be so very careful. So very careful. When we pick up next time, we're going to continue this matter of Paul going to Jerusalem and what happens. Now, Paul still say Paul still used of God, but there are certain things that we at times can avoid if we will follow the Lord's will. And understand this, there are certain things when we have disobeyed God or we're not in his will, where that can be a... A, a, a stumbling block or a problem in our life the rest of our lives. There are some decisions that we've made where we continue to deal with the consequences of it. Not that we're not saved. Of course we are, and that's it, those who have accepted the Lord. But there are times when we are still having to deal with the consequences of those decisions. God sometimes says, I remove the sin, but I'm not going to remove the consequence. God still loves you. And God still says, my grace is sufficient for you. Understand this. My grace is sufficient for you. When Paul had a thorn in the flesh 
And he asked the Lord three times, Lord, remove this. God says, my grace is sufficient, Paul, for you. We need to sometimes learn, we're not sometimes, we need to just learn that when we blow it to forgive ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, I blew it, I'm going to do what's right. I'm in this now, I'm going to just do it. But what some of us do, we get further in trouble. Hmm. We're going to do something wrong and might as well just keep going now and come this far. No, stop. You don't start eating poison. Well, drink this much poison, just go and eat a little bit more. Drink this much antifreeze. Well, what's the hurt part? Harm and doing a little bit more. No, we don't do that. So why would we do that with sin? We stop. Lord, I'm sorry. What does repentance mean? Repentance means that I'm going this direction. Ask God to forgive me. I'm making a bow face, and I go the other direction. It don't mean no 360, turn back around, keep going. Ah, there's my sin. Going right back at it. No! You go the other way. Some of us are spinning in circles. Why? Because we have not decided to do it God's way. And when God says, the Lord says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you become a Christian, <laughs> I tell you this. When people try to say that being a Christian is a cop-out, they're lying. One of the hardest lives to live when you think about all the stuff that Christians have to go through. But what the Lord does to work it out can have your enemies just, oh, my goodness, somebody after you, just turn it over to the Lord. He knows what to do. Love and Hezekiah did. Lord took that letter when that king was, and it was, was talking about him. And said, I'm going to get you. What God going to be able to deliver? Took to, went, that, went to the temple, took that letter. God, look what this king is saying. And laid it out. We need to sometimes take our situations and just lay them out before the Lord. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm played. I got trouble. Here's this. Here, take this. I don't know what to do with it. Just you and God. And what God will do. I've seen it before. Just lay it before yeah, the Lord. Yeah. It says only God could do this. Take an agency that's on the verge of closing. Turn it all around. And never have another, uh, another year for five, six years in the red. Only God could do that. Only God could bring that about. Only the Lord. Take something that's failing and says, watch me. Only God can take thousands and thousands and thousands and draw them right down to 300 and says, I'm going to use these 300 to deliver you. When you say, we ain't got enough people. When you got a multitude of feed, he says, this is all the food we got. God bless this food. I don't know how that food fed all those people. But it did, because you put it in the hands of the Lord. Stand to your feet. What area in your life right now, and what direction are you going, and have you committed that direction to the Lord? Are you on the path that God has called you to be on? You can be saved sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and be on the wrong path. We need to just turn around and say, God, oops. We need to consult the Lord before a certain decision, before decisions that we make. Some of you may have some decisions that you are, you are contemplating right now. Huge. And you really haven't spent the time in prayer. Whatever it might be, I have no idea what it is. God does. What is God saying about it? Then, the next important thing is, what are you then going to do? Will you be obedient to what the Lord says? That's what brings the glory to God. That's what brings blessings into your life when we are obedient to what the Lord says. Today, God, we are so thankful to you for the privilege of looking at Paul, man of God, yet we see an area where, Lord, you had told him to leave. The warnings came. And yet it's another way of being able to help us to stop and rethink and refocus and look at God. Am I doing what you've called me to do? Am I on the path? Am I moving forward in the direction that you have called me to walk in? Today we pray that you will give clarity in our lives, in our midst, that you will get all the glory in God, that even in the midst of the situation, we'll learn how to just worship and magnify your glorious name. You are the God that never changes. Nothing that's too hard for you. You can turn everything around. You can turn our mourning into singing. My God, my God, that's the God that we serve. So we pray today that will take the word of the Lord and say, Lord, help me to just walk in the direction and the path that you've called me to walk and to walk away from those areas that are displeasing to you. May we be prepared to fight and to stand in the midst of the battle and the struggle, knowing that we're in the will of God, going through because we have the Lord on our side. So we pray today that we don't go down detours where the Lord is clearly blocked off, but may we go down the road that you have called us to be. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We magnify you for being God in the glorious and precious name of Jesus.